and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and in this episode, Winston and I talk about one of our favorite sci-fi space shows, The Expanse. This is one that I've gotten several requests for, so I hope you all enjoy it. If you haven't seen The Expanse, there are some vague but occasionally big spoilers in here. I don't think it will affect your viewing of the show too much, but if you want to know absolutely nothing, come back to this one a little bit later. There is also some brief discussion of sci-fi violence, so please take care of yourselves. Thank you so much to our newest patron, Alicia Bayless, and to all of our patrons, especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Caitlin Van Horn, Rebecca Joy Henrietta White, Rachel Berman, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would take with me on an experimental Martian war vessel. If you would like to join these stellar folks, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to all sorts of extras, including wine fun facts, personalized pairings, outtakes, and more for as little as $1 a month. Before we dive in, just a couple of announcements. I am very excited that I am now a voice acting coach on the website Skills Hub, created by the legendary Jennifer Hale, femshep from Mass Effect and about 200 other video game credits. She's, like, amazing. I'm really excited to help out folks new to voice acting or just acting altogether or actors who just need a little bit of feedback. So if you would like a coaching session to help you get started or get some feedback, or if you know someone who would, check out acting.skillshub.life. I'll put a link in the show notes that goes directly to my coaching portal. Also, in case you missed it, I'm now on Twitch. I'm currently streaming a playthrough of Dragon Age Origins, and it has been so fun so far. And so if you would like to tune into that, you can follow me at EasyGamer, that's E-A-S-Z Gamer, on Twitch. Without further ado, here is episode 90, The Expanse. And we're rolling. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> hey, Winston. Hey, Emma. How's it going? Pretty good. Oh, nice. Great. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been like quite a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's been it's been a tough couple of weeks over here, or just busy, mm-hmm. I would say. And so we thought we would have a nice little chat over some beverages about our favorite space show du jour. Mm-hmm. Co-tied with all the other space shows that we like. The Expanse! The Expanse! The Expanse. So this is one that's been requested several times because mm. um, I think it's it's a really interesting show. And it's based on, we were just talking about, it's based on a series of novels written by James S.A. Corey, a.k.a. two different people. <laughs> so that that is their pen name. Yeah, two two yeah, guys so who write together under one name. Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, or Ty Frank, which, good for them, that's adorable. No, it, it seems to work. Yeah, it does. And uh, that immediately made me think of something in the wine world. I mean, there's there are a bunch of, like, wine duos in the mm-hmm. wine world, but the one that comes to mind is one that I've talked about before, um, but feels also somehow appropriate for this show, which is Scar of the Sea. Oh. Yes. 
And because, you know, they're like space pirates yeah. um, in this one. Also, all the bit. books are called Leviathan this and Leviathan that. Oh, cool. So Le- I didn't Leviathans know are what we used to call whales. Yeah. Or at least what um, Herman Melville called whales. No, I think it's a it's a it's a term for for whales. OK. Generally, I don't think it was Herman Melville that coined it. All right. But 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 also it's a kind of ship. Right. Yep. In, and, in... It, and it's also the name of a famous philosophical treatise. By Hobbes. Oh my. Leviathan is oh. his is his big thing. Oh my. Because you need a gigantic and powerful central government to keep human beings from reverting to chaos and savagery and Got know, it, got it. I don't know, not like you know, just worrying about food and stuff instead of about killing each other. It's also uh, the name of a, an expansion of a DLC in Mass Effect Three, which oh. is very good. Nice. Very good. Nice. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so here we are. We're talking about this show, which I don't know if all of you listening have seen it, so we'll try to keep fairly spoiler-free. Yeah. Um, the, the main deal is there's Earth, there's Mars, and there's the asteroid belt. Yes. Or belt, belters. Yep. And uh, Earth and Mars are kind of on always, like, tense. Yeah, tense. Things are Things yeah, are tense they're, between. They're, they're different political entities. Like Earth is the is governed by the UN, and Mars is like a kind of pseudo military. Like there's a Congress, yeah, yeah, but like all Martians like have to serve the cause of Mars because it's like not terraformed yet, and, right? Um, <clears throat> so they're kind of a militarist um, power, and both of them kind of take advantage of the belt where right. all the, you know, resources and everything yeah. comes from. Yeah, it's a really fascinating concept, yeah. I think. And, and here's where I want to express a deep frustration. Okay, and it is, go for it. It is frustration with spontaneous co-arisal. Now, it, the, you know, the joke's on me for not ever following through and writing the damn thing. Yeah. But before I met you, yeah. like a year or two before I met you, Shelby and I came up with an idea for a show called Redcoats, uh-huh. and it was going to be about how Mars secedes from Earth, uh-huh. and there's a civil war, and then as they're having the civil war, whoa, aliens show up. Obviously. Which is almost exactly the plot of The Expanse, <laughs> and these gentlemen were industrious and, and totally earned it, but it was like a very similar idea that we had. And the expanse is better than I could have ever done it, and so I'm just like super. Well, frustrated. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true, but but it is really cool. And yeah, so against this backdrop of like uh, solar system politics, uh, yeah. this very prominent lady goes missing, and a kind of right and a down and out detective played by Tom Jane. Tom Jane gets upset. Who has horrible hair? Horrible hair <laughs> in this in this really, show. Really bad hair. <laughs> Um, he becomes obsessed with solving the mystery that has big implications and possibly involves aliens. Ooh. The first season is very much like a, a mystery with yes. a sci-fi backdrop. Which I will say, it kind of took me, and I, you may remember this, but like you watched almost the whole first season and maybe more without mm-hmm. me. Yeah, because I was house-sitting in Greeley. Yeah, but I watched some of it and I couldn't really get into it. It took me... It, took me really till the second season to yeah. get into it. It starts slow and and yeah. I I personally prefer the like sci-fi politics parts of the show yeah. to the mystery parts of the show. Yeah. Especially once you get deeper into the show, it's it's sort of less about 
solving a mystery and more about like what is this alien life form that showed up and right right does it want to kill us or not you know and um right and then that that i like a little bit more too sure um, sure yeah i think it gets uh i think both the mystery aspect of it and the political aspect of it get more interesting and they start dealing with it better or I just understand the world better now right. uh, but it took me a while because I was like who are all these people what is the belt what's Mars who's on Mars who's on Earth like what's going on right. so um, it took me it took me a while to just like get situated and they kind of they don't they really just throw you right into yeah. it there's like here's um, 25 characters yeah so like, there's what? so there's Tom Jane who's the kind of investigator guy cop yeah basically and he's out on the asteroid belt yeah he's out but, on the asteroid belt but he's from earth and right and all the belters talk like um some weird kind of pigeon south african yeah it sounds like it's like you know are you ataman you know big boss side a bit of banter you know it's right. like this yeah yeah strange it's a very and it's mix. it is it is but it's really it is really interesting i think um and so that brings me to um i'm obviously going to pair with uh, the Belters with the Belt, uh, the belt. Uh, South African wine. Yeah. Because that's the kind of the closest accent that I can uh, associate yeah. with how they with how they speak. If if somebody has a different idea, I mean, it's not an exact. It's some like weird mix of of like Afrikaner and yeah. and like almost um, like West Indies. Yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. You know, or even even some other. I mean, the idea being that like. People from all over ended up on the belt together, and they developed their own kind of dialect. With, right. Um, yeah, and they're and the and the belt are basically like the lower class, the working class. Yeah, they're like the oppressed mine workers yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, the Earth and Mars and them are always like because they're dependent on water right. being brought in, and so they like will shut off their water if they're naughty. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the there's a like the belt. One wants to be independent. Yes, and um, and so okay, I want to go back to this, mm -hmm. but let's uh, let's just let's just kind of paint our picture here. So we've got we've got the belt, and um, and I'm pairing South African wine, mm -hmm. um, the most famous of which is Pinotage, mm -hmm. a very divisive grape. Um, oh yeah, we've the, talked about yeah, Pinotage we've talked before. about Pinotage before. I am not a huge fan of Pinotage. I have had. Some Pinotage that I don't think is bad, but um, generally speaking, it's not my favorite flavor. Mm -hmm. And it is um, a genetic cross between Pinot Noir and the grape Cinso. So mm. it's not a blend. It's like the grape itself was genetically manufactured. Okay. And it um, kind of has a characteristic like burnt rubber taste sometimes, Ugh. which... Uh, it, it doesn't always taste like burnt rubber. If it, if it's good, it's like just kind of like smoky, um, and that's one thing I really like about South African wines generally um, is that kind of smokiness. Like their Cabernets and their Shirazes are very smoky um, compared to from some other regions. And I once had a I once had a Shiraz from I think they they also call it Shiraz in South Africa as well as in Australia, and I once had a Shiraz from South Africa that like tasted like bacon it was huh. yeah I, I mean it didn't taste exactly like bacon but it it uh but it had that smoky it had that kind of smoky savoryness to it which is kind of not something that i want all the time in my wine but it's definitely cool mm. um from time to time uh okay so there's there's the belt there's 
uh, and the the cast of characters from the belt. I mean, it's mostly Tom Jane. There's Jared Harris. There's Jared like, Harris, who's there in the first couple seasons. So he's yeah. like head of the OPA. Isn't he still in it? I think no, he's, he's not. Oh, yeah, he hasn't been on it since like the second season. Oh, I mean, I mean, his character didn't die, so I don't know if it was a it was a matter of like Jared Harris had other stuff going on. Yeah, he's got a lot. Or gone. or if he's going to come back, or I don't know. Right, but, but um, he's like the main. He leads one of the Belter like gangs or secret gang. societies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a really cool. Um, Ojibwe actress who plays like a security officer on the belt. Yeah, and um, she, uh, yeah, drummer. Oh no, she's security for Tycho Station. Yeah, she's drummer. Drummer. Kara drummer. Yeah. Kara um, drummer. And we'll get to we'll get to all these all these people too. Um, I don't want to overwhelm it because there are yeah, so many people. It's ridiculous. The other main character <laughs> is a. Uh, Jim Holden or James Holden, yeah. the most boring protagonist yeah, yeah, ever created. He, he gets a little bit better. He gets a little but bit better. He's like never they as do... interesting as the other characters. No, and like and and I mean, this is a little bit of a spoiler. We won't say what happens because what happens is very interesting. But it starts out very much with Tom Jane being like the main guy, right? And then that changes. Let's say, yeah. and uh. Jim becomes more of the focus, yeah. but he's like the most boring character, surrounded by a, a fantastic, yeah, uh, a motley crew, a motley crew. So I obviously I had to give, um, we're, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but I had yeah. to give him Pino Grigio, okay, because yeah. like, because like you know, fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, uh, <laughs> it get, but it'll like it'll get the job done, you yeah. know, like he's competent, yeah, and like, and I have nothing against the actor. I don't think the actor does a bad job. I just think it's. A boring character. Yeah. Um, but despite that, there's so many other good characters. So then there's Naomi Nagata, who I would like a lot more if they didn't have her be romantically involved with Holden, <laughs> because that becomes a large part of she, her storyline. More boring by association. Yeah, yeah. They've done some. They did some really cool stuff with her character in the last season. Mm. But there were a couple seasons there in the middle where I was like, really. Really? This, this all you do? This is this is what you're here for? But she's also a belter. Yeah. And um and she one thing that's cool about that actress, I think um Dominique Tipper is her name. Um she's wonderful, but she kind of like code switches, so she talks with like an English accent yeah. when she's on the Rosinante with Holden and the other people, yeah. and then when she's in the belt, she speaks with that belter accent. Yeah, and yeah, and uses their slang and stuff. Um, yeah, and then there's uh, what's his name, crazy guy, Amos. Amos, yeah. yeah. Amos, Amos is that trope of like the good guy psychopath. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, his main personality trait is that he's fiercely loyal to Naomi, mm-hmm. but like he go, doesn't give a crap about anything or anyone else. Really. Yeah, I mean, I guess he starts to, but he's very much like, oh, he's if Naomi very... said, I would just kill you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, like he like, don't piss her off, or I'll kill you. Yeah, I mean, and it also like he started having his own kind yeah storyline because but... he's from Earth and he like grows yeah. up in, I guess I think it's Portland. But it's like I think it's Baltimore. A, it's Baltimore. Okay, it's yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. But Baltimore is basically like abandoned because of yeah. the effects of global warming right. and stuff. Right. Like, and also, there's just so many people on Earth in this in this um, world 
that uh, they most people just aren't employed. Yeah. Like they live on a government dole and if if you get a job you're like one of the lucky ones and right. you have to wait in lotteries for like years and years unless you have connections. Right. But he grows up in like the like, like an almost abandoned Baltimore, it's abandoned yeah. to like anyone who's tough enough to live there. It's a lawless society. Right, which you'll which you'll see in the I think it's the 5th season was the most recent. Yeah, that's when season. he goes back. Um and then the last of like the four main crew members on the Rosinante is Alex. And that he's the and he's, he's the, the navigator guy. Yeah, right? he's the navigator and guy. He's and Martian. Yes. But the Martians it's they're coded all different sorts of ways, but he's very much like southern. Yeah, it's in it's it. very interesting cuz the actor is well, actually I have no idea where the actor is from. He might he might actually be from like Virginia or something. Well, they they he, give him a last name that indicates that he's yeah, he's, he's got like Middle Eastern heritage of some kind, yes. or possibly Indian or Pakistani. See. Unfortunately, I guess there was some controversy. Kamal, yeah, Kamal. Alex Kamal is his yeah. name. Um, so that sounds kind of vaguely Indian yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. Please tell us. Mm. Yeah, really, are... not not trying to offend anybody. Yeah, definitely not. Um, um, but spoiler, no spoilers. But let's just say. There was a big scandal with the actor who plays Alex. Yeah, and I guess and they wrote him off the show. They wrote him off the show. We won't say how. They, I think they did it in a pretty interesting way. But apparently that character has a much different story in the books yeah. than they do in the show because of the actions yeah. of the actor, which I think I prefer that choice to like just recasting him and pretending yeah yeah definitely definitely the better route which which you know definitely happens from Mm. time to time yeah like you you know you have to do it but i just learned that they recast uh nightcrawler after x2 because alan cumming had such a miserable time making the movie that he was like, fuck this, I'm not coming back for who the third plays, one. Who plays Nightcrawler in the third one? I don't know, but it's... I don't, remember, it's, I don't even remember Nightcrawler being in the third I one. I think it's but. he's not in much of it, but whoever does play him mm-hmm. has, has very few lines and is very much doing an impression of Oh, I think I think I, I do remember hearing yeah. that. Not We're going to get, have to do an X-Men episode oh, soon. Oh, yeah. We're going yeah, to have to do that. Not to get too far off topic, but apparently, you know, he and... Rebecca Romaine um, mm-hmm. would have like these wild 2 a.m. calls to get their makeup put on. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For yeah. the filming. Mm-hmm. And apparently, th- like, Alan Cumming would spend five hours before, you know, 7 a.m. getting all his fucking makeup put on. And then he'd be sitting there waiting to shoot what he was supposed to shoot that day. And then they'd be like, oh, uh, no, Brian decided to shoot something else. And like just the sheer level of oh, disrespect. I would. I would <laughs> Alan Cumming was like, no furious. more. Furious. Yeah. I would be furious. Um, <clears throat> anyway, back to the expanse. Anyway, back to the expanse. So, so yeah. So there's the 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 Rosinante is um it's a Martian vessel. Yeah, it's like that an they ex- find. It's an experimental Martian like warship. Warship, right? And so and so these four basically the beginning of the show is these four. Be coming in control of this ship. Yeah, and and becoming a crew together. Yeah, exactly. So we've got so we've got the Rosinante crew, uh, which I forgot until now that Rosinante is the name of, of Don, Don Quixote's horse. horse. Yep, yep. I uh, just didn't make that connection, but I yeah. like it. And Holden is you know very true blue, gotta yeah. save the galaxy kind of guy. Yeah, though he's not he's not as 
like comical as Don Quixote. No, but, but no, but it's kind um, of appropriate because they're they're the plucky heroes in the right, story. Right, right. And then, and then, most important characters. Uh, well, not maybe not the most important characters, but then there's um, Avasarala, mm-hmm. played by Shore Agdashlu, who is ugh, up, who she's, has she's up there with Geralt of Rivia as <laughs> the best cursor. Oh yeah, cursing character like I, when she's like fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> she's just it's really like, good. She's like a high-ranking UN secretary at the beginning, and yeah. um, she is. Obviously, an amazing actress with an incredibly distinct voice, yeah. and um, she curses like a sailor. Yep. And um, oh, although the actor that plays her husband is replaced, yes, at because one point I because he, he dies. Died. Yes, yeah. which is very sad. Um, but um, yeah, she's great. She's like cutthroat, but also idealistic. And yeah, like, I think the the nuance of the politics on her side are very very interesting, and yeah. she's now you know like. Often she makes really hard decisions yeah. that you're like, oof, oh man, I would not make that decision. But right. but like you you can't help but kind of love her. Um, and then my other favorite character is Bobby, yeah, the Martian, the Martian uh, uh, soldier, soldier, yeah, who is she's played by Frankie Adams, who is a Samoan New Zealand native actor, um, and she is. Huge. She is so She's, jacked. She is like and gorgeous. Way over six feet tall, yeah. and uh, I love her. Yeah, she is. She is amazing. And I guess the idea with the Martians is because the gravity is is lower. It's one yeah. third of Earth gravity. Yeah. So their bodies are like physically weaker, but yeah. to make up for it, they have these huge power suits. Oh and, yeah, the um, power suits. And that are somewhere, they're kind of like mech exoskeletons yeah, slash yeah. spacesuits, and they do like high gravity training and stuff yeah, in it. So I you know, love, so, I love all the gravity stuff. Yeah, on like, the show, it's, like you know, the Earthers. I mean, the Belters have obviously most have never been to Earth or Mars, right? And there's only what artificial gravity they can generate, and most of that is just magnetized boots, right? So yeah. they cannot. They, like, Their bodies they, can't handle. Yeah. So gravity. at one point, you see. Um, Avasarala, and she's torturing a belter yeah. just by hanging him on hooks and, and exposing him to earth gravity, ugh, ugh. and it's it like crushes them. Yeah, because because it's you know it's like ten times more than anything their body is 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 equipped to handle. I think I think my favorite detail of the show, and this is a little gruesome, but um, because they do deal with like everybody's wearing mag boots mm-hmm. in in space. Um, when people get shot and die, they just kind of float standing just up. Just like float in place. Yeah. yeah. It is so creepy. Yeah. It's so effective. It's really, really, it's really, really, really scary. It's really, really, really scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the mag boots are stuck. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite little, yeah. little yeah, details. They're, yeah, they're stuck to the ground, but the rest of them are just like yeah. uh, drifty. So it's, scary. Yeah, it's super, super scary. And obviously this is... um. I mean, there is some interstellar stuff that happens, mm-hmm. but ha- that has to do with the alien life form. Yeah. But yeah. Um, as far as like the humans are concerned, there's no like warp drive or anything. Right. That's right. You know, in order to have gravity, they have to spin the ship. You yeah. know, and yeah. or have mag boots, and uh, they have to chain well, themselves in when they when they sleep, and when they accelerate, they get like super intense G pressure. Yeah, and, can and that pass out. and that's dealt with. 
a couple times yeah. on the show. So I, I really like that the show, to a certain extent, like tries to make it as realistic as possible. Like yeah. what what it would be like to yeah. live in these places. I think there are a few like, um, like a few physical physics inaccuracies. Oh, that, I'm sure there that are. There, I'm that sure there the one, are. I think one of the authors was like, look, man, um, it's science fiction. <laughs> yeah, it was like, look, I needed this for the plot. So, yeah. and I, can... I also think, I think both of the, the authors of the books, they, they're either writers or, uh, like contributors, consultants on the show. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And um, I mean, but for the most part, it, it, does everything it can to be physically accurate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of the effects that all these different environments have on the human body yeah. and like how how you know operating these ships works and the like combat in space and how it's all it's like you know it's like trying to hit a, a bullet with another bullet from yeah. <laughs> from a million miles away right right um, yeah no it's 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 really cool, and once I I will say once I got into the story and like understood the world, I really appreciate all these little details that help build the world. Yeah, yeah, and like the whole idea of like the economic situations on the on the different you know areas yeah. planets, yeah, um, is really well flushed out. And it's like oh yeah, well at a certain point there would just be too many people and not enough jobs. Yeah. Um, and are we, you're going to let them all starve or are you going to do something to keep people alive? Right. And then in Mars, there's this like all hands on deck, everybody mm-hmm. serves mm-hmm. the cause kind of, you know, it, it's not a dictatorship, but it's it's very yeah. authoritarian and yeah. militarist. Yeah. Um, and then the belt is just kind of workhorse yeah. culture. Yeah. It's, and... it's, I mean, it's, it's the classic sort of backwater... Um, you know, oppressed backwater, a la yeah. like Tatooine mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Um, the Spice Mines of Kessel for you deep cut Star there, Wars oh, fans. There you go. There you go. Um, which I think they go to in Solo. I actually. think they do. That's yeah. the Kessel Run. Yeah, that's the Kessel Run. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and, and there's that the sort of socialist undertones of like worker workers mm-hmm, unite mm-hmm. rebellion yeah, against OPA. imperialists. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sort of a Palestinian liberation front aspect to them. Right, right, definitely. Um, Okay, so we talked about, so the belt is South African wine. Okay, what about Mars? Mars, okay, so first I was thinking there is a wine called El Marciano. Mm. Um, It's from Alfredo Maestro, and and I think it's just like a garnacha from central Spain. Mm. It's not like from anywhere particularly. Um, but I like that one for Mars. The other thing that I was thinking, you know, like from what we know of Mars, it seems to be a very kind of desert-like yeah. climate. Yeah. It's negative 400 degrees. Right. But right. it's still like right. deserty. Right. But it's still deserty. So, um, so I was thinking about, about like some desert Wine yeah, regions. I was going to suggest the same thing. Yeah, and so I was like looking up cuz last time we were talking about about some kind of arid wine regions and there's definitely, you know, like we were saying like there's definitely parts of Africa that that grow wine now in the Mongolian desert they are apparently starting to grow wine. Really? Yeah, I was cool. I, chi- China is an up and coming wine producer. Hmm. Um I'm sure they've been making wine for a long time, but it's like starting to be more of a thing. They're starting to make Western style wine at scale. Yes. Yes. 
Um, And then I was thinking, you know, like in the United States, I didn't realize this, but parts of Oregon are considered high desert. Um, I didn't know that because I've never been there. Would love to go there. Um, But apparently parts of Oregon, and I don't know if it's the Willamette Valley specifically, um, but parts of parts of those areas are are considered high desert. So I didn't realize this, but one of the big names in Oregon wine, Irath. Um, actually opened a winery in Arizona ah. where it is very desert and yeah. arid. And I um, think when we were in Arizona and we yeah. went to that one winery, mm-hmm. their grapes didn't come from, or they came from way south in Arizona yeah, or yeah, something like the, Yeah, because we were in kind of northern Arizona. Jerome, Arizona. Jerome, Arizona. But, um, but I think they do grow a lot of their grapes further south where it's hotter and drier. Right. Um, so... Grapes, some grapes do grow very well in a desert climate. Yeah. So, like there are there are vineyards in northern New Mexico, but I absolutely. think a, I think a lot of wineries here do the same thing that Arizona place did and get yeah. their grapes from somewhere else. Uh, well, a lot of I mean, Gruet <clears throat> gets a lot of its grapes from California at this mm. point because they just can't keep up with production, right? Because they got really really popular, and so and there's just not enough vineyards here. Um, but but it used to it started here. But it is a desert. Yeah. Binary. Yeah. There we go. So so if we're talking about Oregon, obviously Pinot Noir is a big one that mm. is grown in Oregon. And um, and I think it grows pretty well in dry climates, generally speaking. Like I know also Champagne is a very dry climate. Mm. Um, it's known for its very chalky soils. It's not necessarily sandy soils, but very chalky soils. Um, and that's a little different because it's it's one of the furthest north uh, region, so it's one of the colder wine regions. I actually think champagne is appropriate too. Because I'm sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Um, but it doesn't sham. Don't champagne grapes? I mean, I've like, like I've seen them pressing champagne yeah. grapes yeah. before. Don't they require like a little bit more like technological intervention? Definitely. To make yeah, and- you, it takes a little more. Know how you can't just you can't just throw some grapes in a vat and make sparkling wine. It takes uh, a little more knowledge yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. And um, so just the sheer technological effort of sustaining human life yeah, that on makes, Mars. Yeah, that, that actually makes sense. And Pinot Noir, in case you didn't know, is one of the three grapes of champagne. Oh, nice. It's Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. There you go. There you go. That's your, that's your wine trivia of the day. <laughs> um, I don't know. Pinotage is a pretty good piece of wine trivia. That's another way. We've, got, we've gotten several good pieces of wine trivia. But then speaking of Earth... So I ha- I haven't come up with one for Earth yet. I was thinking something more along the lines of like Sancerre or Alberino or something yeah. like a more kind of refined white yeah. wine. Or we um, could do wines also from regions that you've t- you know you've talked about before, like England not being a traditional yeah. wine grower, but mm-hmm. because of the changing climate. Yeah. So this is a world. And China. Yeah. And, so yeah. Th- this is a world hundreds of years into a future of at least partially devastating global warming. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, those are regions that we're going to see more and more wine coming from. And that and that's just something that's happening in the wine world is people are figuring out how they're going to deal with climate change. Yeah. Um, and these big wine wine regions are they're just going to change in places where you couldn't grow wine before. You can yeah. now you get um, like a nice Michigan Pinot Noir. They they make wine in Michigan. I know. I, I they, know do. they do. They do. They make it in the Finger Lakes too, yeah, in New York. Yeah, um, I think that's a good that's a good relationship. Um, but I also I also just think like Earth. 
I mean, at least the people we see from Earth are mostly like the politicians. Yeah. And so they probably get the best of what's left. Right. You know, these are these are the we start seeing more of the kind of the devastation in later seasons. But for the most part, in the first few seasons, like we're with Ava Sarala, mm-hmm. who's living her best life. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's the cream of the crap. Yeah. Who, speaking of, I think you'll be happy. I I uh, decided I think Avasarala would be Rioja. Yes, because, because I think her like if her voice were a wine, <laughs> it, it would, would be, be a tempranillo. Yeah, it would be a tempranillo because it's rich, it's velvety, but it's got gruffness I can't to take it. Take any more of this fucking bullshit. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> She's so good. Dickless motherfuckers. <laughs> so good. So good. But yeah, so that's that's for her. Um, for Tom Jane, by the way, I don't even remember what his character's name is. It's like Joe. Something. I don't. I don't remember it's like, either. It's like, well, here I'll look it up. But but we're just gonna call him Tom Jane. Yeah, because that's who he is. Uh, Joe Miller. Joe Miller. Yeah. Joe Miller. M- very generic yeah, name. Very... For... It's actually a really great performance from Tom. I Jane. think so. It actually ends up being a really really interesting part. Um, and and I think he does he does a really good job with it. And when it when I first started watching the show, we were like Tom Jane. He's got silly hair. <laughs> Look at your silly hair, Look Tom Jane. Hair. He's wearing like a little fedora. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's very funny. Um, but then as the show goes on, and especially in the second season, um. His part gets very, very interesting. So I, um, this is a random one, but for some reason I felt like Carignan is a good wine for Tom Jane. Do tell. It's not a common, super common wine, but it's getting more and more popular on its own. It's been a blending grape for a long time, kind of in France. Um, You find it a lot in southern France. And um, there are some very plain ones, and then there are some plain Jane if you will. <laughs> and then there are some really good, really interesting... You see what I did? That's his name! Yeah, you see what I did? Yeah. That's his that's name! So funny, so funny. <laughs> it's been a long week. Okay, um, so like, for me personally, my relationship to the character, like starting out, I was like, I don't really care about this guy very <laughs> much. Guy? Who the fuck is this guy? But then as his character develops, I'm like, oh, you're cool. And like... Yeah, you, you do interesting things, and I wouldn't have expected this. And so, um, I think that's that's kind of appropriate for Carignan because some yeah. of them can be like sort of unremarkable, but then some of them are like, "Whoa, this is really good for usually not very much money." Cool. He, he's another character that's very like tropey at first. Yeah, he's like, you know, the detective who's become super cynical yeah. and blah blah blah. Yeah, but then surprise. A, a mystery happens, and he comes back to life, and he's got a, a wealth of emotion and and right, and feeling right, and right. all this stuff. But then, but he he does interesting things that I think subvert that, mm-hmm. and certainly becomes very heroic. Uh, Definitely. And uh, and then and then his the actor Tom. Well, the character changes. Yes. But the actor remains, and he does really cool stuff with that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's a it's actually a really a really interesting part. Holden, mm-hmm. we said Pinot Grigio. Mm-hmm. I stand by that. Yep. Perfect. Um, Naomi, I see. We were just talking about this, but I thought Pinot Noir is a good one for Naomi because similarly, it's sort of a similar similar concept. But um, you know, Pinot Noir it's one of the most widely grown and produced grape. Um, there can be just fine examples of it. There can be pretty poor examples of it but it can also be some of the best wine in the world. And so 
I thought for Naomi that feels appropriate because for a lot of it, at least for me, I know some people will disagree with me. And I think a lot of this is because her character is written to kind of exist in relationship to Holden, um, which changes, which yeah. changes. Her, she's but, at her best when that's not the case. Exactly. When they when give we're dealing the actor with, more to do. When we're dealing with her story. Because yeah. she's like a former freedom fighter. Yeah, basically. And um, and so I think that she she ranges, her character very much ranges from like, just, you know, just fine. Just trying to survive. Just trying to survive to like, oh, you're awesome. Yeah, no, you're right though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amos. <laughs> Amos. For Amos, I said he's wine. Psycho killer. He's wine aged in whiskey barrels. Oh, there you which go. Which is a thing that happens. Okay. Because yeah. he's just so extra yeah. and and doesn't doesn't care. It's like they took a character from Deadwood and put yeah. him in the experience. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is really interesting because he is basically, like, I don't know if you would call it a sociopath or a psychopath, um, but he, like, basically doesn't have a functioning frontal lobe. He, he forms and attachments to people. Like, he, does. he has feelings. Yeah. But it's, a lo- it's also, it's, I guess, the line between, are you a sociopath or did you just have most of the humanity beaten out of you? Right. Is it Which trauma is, yeah. or is, is it something you were born with? Or I mean, because yeah. it's obviously trauma one way or the other. Right. But, um, but... It, and you learn more about him yeah. as as the show goes on, obviously. Yeah, his character's but, a super trauma survivor. Yeah. Um, but his adaptation to that is becoming just like... I mean, his, his character very much reminds me of like a, a wolfhound or like yeah. a bulldog yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah I think a bulldog Because he's got the good... loyalty thing, yeah. but also he's just like ready to go feral any fucking minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, and does, and frequently. Does. <laughs> and, I, and I really like the, the actor who plays him as well. He's very good. He's very good. I think he, I think he has a military background. I think that actor does. I can, I, I can totally yeah, see yeah. that. Because you, I mean, you believe that he's just this like. Yeah, because he's kind of got a baby face. Soldier of fortune kind of. Yeah, uh, he's kind of got a baby face, but he's so like scary and intimidating and huge yeah. that it's like. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know how there's like, there's people who act tough mm-hmm. and, and you know, sometimes, especially if you're one of those people who can read others well, you're like, you're fronting, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. fooling anybody. Yeah. I'm not intimidated by you. And then there are people like, oh, you could definitely kill me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I will not be messing with you. And I, yeah. I like that just oozes off of him. It's yeah. very believable. Yeah. And uh, also, I think he brings more nuance to the character because if if the wrong person was doing it, it would just be a total caricature. Yeah, you know? I think so. Um, Absolutely. But he makes it uh, the character both believable and compelling. Compelling and also funny at yeah. times. Yeah. And like like, but in an authentic way. Yeah, like, it's very deadpan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then my favorite Bobby. Um, I think she. We were just talking about this too, but I feel like Syrah or Shiraz is a good one for her. Really big red wine because she's like a tank with her with her spacesuit. Her spacesuit is so cool. She's one of those people that makes small men feel really uncomfortable. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she got a lot of hate online. Oh, did she? (laughs) I think so. I'm sure she did because people are the worst. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and she is like a. Isn't she a bodybuilder or something? I think she's a boxer. A boxer. Yeah. 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 yeah, she's another one where I'm like, oh, you could break me in half like yeah. a twig. Yep, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but she's also like really funny and and like 
that character goes on such an interesting journey. Yeah. What I think is really... She, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, what I think is really cool about the show, like you were saying, is that a lot of these characters very much start as like caricatures of certain archetypes. Mm-hmm. But then their stories go in such interesting yeah. directions. And they also kind of change up from season to season or even within, uh, you know, halves of the seasons, mm-hmm. who the protagonist is. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's a good chunk of the middle seasons of the show where Bobby is one of, if not the main protagonist. Like her story arc takes yeah. precedence over, you know, what the Rosanante is doing and yeah. what Avsarala is doing. Yeah. I mean, they, obviously, they all intersect, but, right. um, you know, like, I feel there there's parts where, where Drummer is the is the protagonist Drummer. of her own season, you know, with, uh, who's that great actor who, who comes oh, on? Oh, uh, David sh- Strathairn. David Strathairn, yes. who comes on, he's, you know, and they, they have a whole season together. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it's true. It's It's very much an ensemble show. Yeah. And um, and because they're all over the solar system, there are necessarily you know different distinct storylines story exactly. that every, every once in a while are very artfully brought together. I think I think so too. Um, well, speaking of drama, mm. um, played by I think Kara G is her name. Yep. She's a Ojibwe. Mm-hmm. Where um, there's a will, there's an Ojibwe. Yeah, <laughs> she is also uh, also an amazing voice. Her her kind of like deep yeah like kind of. Kind of like t- from the back of her throat kind of voice. Um, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing too. And, but she's like tiny, but yeah. equally terrifying. Yeah. Um, but she, so the grape that I wanted to give her was Cab Franc or mm. Cabernet Franc um, for a couple of reasons. One, I know I've talked about this a bunch, but it's a very kind of, a, it can be a very aggressive grape. It can have like that really kind of earthy tree bark kind of funky quality to it Mm. and she's so tough um but also cabernet franc is one of the more resilient grapes so speaking of growing in difficult climates so like cab franc can exist in very cold climates or very warm climates it can grow pretty well there and drummer is tough and she some of the stuff that she goes through that you watch her go through i mean she basically like builds herself prosthetic legs at one point and uh it's 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 amazing but she is resilient yeah for sure yeah she's super cool she's the security when you meet her she's the security chief at Tycho station right which is i've mentioned before but it's it's part of the belt right but it's kind of like there's this guy named fred johnson is the name of the character i think so um and he is played by, by Chad, Chad Coleman. Coleman, and he's a guy who's from Earth, but very is very sympathetic to the Belters. Yeah, and he's created Tycho Station as kind of a semi black market, semi independent, um, yeah, or slash um, like part of what a belt belter yeah. nation could look like. Yeah, um, but he very much runs it like a like a strong man. Like he's yeah. a, he's a, he, he's like a He's the gangster with a heart of gold, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? And she's, yeah, she's working with him and for him for a while. Yeah. Um, but then kind of goes on her own journey. Yeah. Um, and then last, and maybe least, <laughs> um, is Alex, um, who, for him, I thought of Muved, mm. uh, or in Spain it's known as Monastrel, because... His character, I mean, he's got his own, like, storylines and he's got his own things. And, I mean, 
scandal with the actor aside, I do think it's a good character, but yeah. he's really very much there to kind of like flesh everything out. He's he's kind of like the peacemaker often between. Yeah, he's like the diplomat. Yeah, and he's so he's kind of like a blending grape kind of character, and I mm. I don't mean that in a in a yeah. no. His character definitely does more than just like drive the drive the ship. No, like, he's he's a very interesting character, and and there's very interesting things that go on with with the choices he's made in his past and how he got there and yeah. everything. But in terms of like his interactions with other people, like that's sort of the feeling I get from him is that he's kind of the one keeping everybody together. Yeah. And a little he, bit. he, yeah. And that's kind of organic to his backstory, which is like, you know, abandoning his family and mm-hmm. his, his has sort of a tragic um, personal life. Yeah. And so I think he tries to correct for that by, by, taking care of found family. Definitely. Um, um, okay, this is a little bit of a sidebar, mm-hmm. but I was hoping because <laughs> it's a it's a connection, but I thought it, I can cut this out if we don't want to keep it in. But would you tell your uh, your belt story? Oh, my belt story? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure, why not? Um, so I was working on an A&E... Uh, produced documentary about Nelson Mandela uh, mm-hmm. called Miracle Rising. And it was being produced by, um, out of New York, but the people who were employing me were South African mm-hmm. um, and uh, specifically Afrikaner. Mm-hmm. And I guess the dude was about my age, but his mom like knew everybody, including um, uh, Madiba's wife. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, a bunch of other folks like that. And this mm-hmm. was right before uh, Nelson Mandela died. Mm-hmm. And so this was basically interviewing, like, all the most famous, powerful people in the world yeah. <laughs> about Nelson Mandela. Yeah. And so we did interviews with Whoopi Goldberg, um, George Soros, uh, um, <laughs> Oprah, which was incredible. Like, oh, o- Oprah is the only person I've ever met in real life who had an honest-to-God retinue. Yeah, like Like, she came in with, like, a flying <laughs> <laughs> of like hairstylist, uh, wardrobe person, personal assistant, assistant to the personal assistant. Like She's she Oprah. is a she is a queen. Yes, yes. And... <laughs> she is probably the closest thing we have to a queen in, yeah. in this country. But we also met uh, and interviewed both Clintons. And when we met Bill Clinton, it was in his Harvard office, uh-huh. and he uh, he comes in. And he's got a a young woman assistant who looks exactly like young Monica Lewinsky oh, in like a pencil black dress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a bad man. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, but, that's not the point of the story. But he comes in and he has like a personalized compliment for everybody yeah. and like remembers their name and says, and so, you know, he's going down shaking hands. Hey, oh, oh, man, I love your accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he gets to me and he goes, hey, Winston. I said, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. President. He said, hey, Winston. That's a nice belt. <laughs> and I was wearing this big, like, metal-studded belt. And, um, and the South African guy who was in charge and the also the, the Spaniard who was doing sound that I was working with, they thought this was fucking hilarious <laughs> and, and made it into, like, a song. So yeah. every time we were, like, picking up equipment in Staten Island or something for the next interview, um, the, whenever you get bored, the South African kid would be like, hey! Winston, that's a nice belt. <laughs> and he also started to use it as a verb, like yeah. like the way the Smurfs do. So yeah. he'd be like, hey, Winston, be a good oak and belt me a left turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Winston, go ahead and belt that into the back of the truck, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good oak. <laughs> so, like, my belt became this, like, yeah. the the set joke. Like, set jokes, I think, are very much a thing. Definitely. And on that definitely. set, the joke was my belt. Yep. <laughs> because Bill Clinton Bill said it was Clinton nice. Bill Clinton said he had a nice belt. And that's the story of the day Bill Clinton met me yeah. and liked my belt. <laughs> Truly. A momentous day in history. Um, it's one yep. of my favorite stories, and <laughs> I just wanted you to share it. Um, and I also, I, I also think about it frequently when we watch The Expanse. Yeah, because because of the accent. Because of the accent. I Winston, there's... take the card and belt some gas yeah, yeah, into the yeah, truck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, so that's all I had to talk about with The Expanse. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we? We sign off and let you go watch it yourselves. Um, I think the way they deal with extraterrestrial life is very interesting. I, I agree. Yeah. Because, you know, so many shows, for, for obvious and very understandable reasons, they adopt the, like, bipedal humanoid yeah. alien yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, very few shows have the the follow-through and the, the, the good writing to justify completely non uh, non analogous forms of alien life. Yes. And yes. I mean I guess there there are analogies there's like in, in the aliens in this are sort of somewhere between Don't um, give it away. Well, there's somewhere between yeah. like a mushroom <laughs> network, like yeah, a mycelial yeah. network and like a crystalline entity right, kind of thing. Right. They're like they're like but, yeah. Yeah. And so they they're able to communicate but it is it is wholly different. Wholly you know the like, the closest the the closest I think that I've seen before and this is still different but in in arrival I think they yeah, sort of deal with the, a, a the different arthropods or yeah, whatever. Yeah, a yeah. different way of Yeah. It's a completely different way of like understanding the universe of Traveling yeah, we could and, really use Amy Adams in the Expanse yeah, universe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At least Tom I'm... Jane kind of plays the Amy Adams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at a certain, point, <laughs> at a certain point, he becomes Amy Adams. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So I think they, I think they handle that really well, and like I said, I think they do a good job of portraying in a non-dystopian fashion. Like they definitely show that it's not perfect, but like how would economies? function in the future yeah you know and yeah and so i think they do a really good job of showing all the different ways that happens and um yeah there is no aside from the crew of the rosamante who are very much like the heroes right um there's no faction that is either wholly good or wholly bad yeah and the thing about the rosamante is they are kind of independent yeah. or they kind of have They've got somebody from everywhere. Yeah, they have so, Earthers, Belters, Martians, and yeah, and Amos. And Amos. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's an Earther. I know he's an Earther, but he's but he's kind of his, his own thing. His own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so, and I, I think that that that's really cool about the show. Yeah. Um. I I I I agree. I think there's some really. It's one of the more sophisticated science fiction stories that I've experienced in a yeah. while. It um, combines a lot of of really cool genre elements um, from various genres, not just sci-fi. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a little bit of Western in there. There's a, sure. a little bit of war movie in there. Definitely. Certainly it has its noir stuff. Um, yeah. And its politics are very sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, and cool. And... Although I will say it's always disappointing to me mm -hmm. when there's a future with no gay characters. 
or at least yeah. no important queer well, characters. Well, they. I mean, uh, I believe Drummer is. Oh, is she? Is bisexual. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Good. But I. It's been a little while since I watched the show. Yeah, so I, I believe. I, but... I can't remember how explicit that's made, but I yeah. think I think it is canon. Um, it's just like in Star Trek. It's so weird yes. to me that there aren't just like. I mean, Jadzia Dax in Deep Space Nine is the closest they get right, right. to any kind of queer representation because Jadzia yeah. Dax is a, a trans character, right, basically. Right. Um, but even yeah. then, it's not you know explicit. Like you just think, "Fuck, you can reconstitute molecules." There'd probably be a lot more yeah, trans yeah, people. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I um, no, I think that's I think that's a really valid valid criticism. Yeah. It's just, I mean. As a queer person, I'm always kind of cognizant of when there's no queer people on a show. Absolutely. I'm just like, why? Yeah. Especially, especially in science fiction. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, like, yeah, we're in a you know, 200 years in the future. Yeah. Like. Yeah. If you're not gonna have queer people in your universe, you need to explain why. Like in yeah. in Handmaid's Tale, it's very much that we're all holocausted. Right. <laughs> right. So, like, well, so. I mean that is that is addressed. Like there is yeah. there are queer characters in yeah. the Handmaid's Tale who are yeah. but anyway, that's that's a different thing. But I mean but yes, yeah, I just think it's... that, you know, it's twenty twenty one, year of year of our lady Beyonce. Yep. And... Be more like audio drama. Yeah. Be gay as fuck. Be, be gay. Do crimes. <laughs> um, um, so that that's the only real criticism is, and that is not a criticism unique to this show or sci-fi no. or anything. Like Ted Lasso, I have the same criticism. Yeah. Of. Yep. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And you know. And uh, I do think that the writing itself is very, very good. It is. Um, the 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 storytelling and like the actual writing itself. The world building is is really good, and like me, if you watch it and you're not like super drawn in immediately, I do encourage you to keep watching because yeah. it gets much better, and you'll understand the world yeah. more as you watch it. Well, and the seasons break down in such a way that there's kind of something for everyone. Yeah, like yeah. if you like a mystery, first season is is your thing. Yeah, if you like big you know, grand political shit, then season two is yeah. good for you. There's also... But there's also some really cool, like, yeah. space opera elements. Yeah, there's space piracy yeah, stuff yeah. that's going on. There's, yeah. like... Oh, we didn't even talk about Marco Inaros, because he doesn't show yeah. up He doesn't show, show up till, till season four. Yeah, But yeah. he's uh, Naomi Nagata's... Old... He's the father of her child. Yeah. And he's, like, the... He's a terrorist, he's, he's Yeah, he's an extremist. Yeah. Um, belter. And he's really cruel and shit, manipulative. But also, but also an interesting character. I mean, but like, you know. he definitely has a cause yeah, that he believes yeah, in. Absolutely. I was I was reading this. This I think this was a criticism specifically of Marvel, but I think it expands beyond that. Expands. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm because on it's fire. A, it's the name of the show. I'm on fire. This is the name of the show. Oh my god. <laughs> we um, have fun. We have so much fun. Um, Winston belt me. <laughs> <laughs> Winston belt me another pun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, what was I saying? Oh yes. Okay, so this criticism where like writers will will have villains like the best the best example is probably Killmonger who have like really good points that they make, but then you can't sympathize with them because they're psychotic murderers or terrorists or whatever. Right. Like so so they're they're like kind of giving progressive socialist kind of propaganda if that's what you want to say or or just a viewpoint 
But then saying, but, then but saying, all but these people are evil. killers. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think this show does that to a certain extent with Marco Inaros. I think he's... Yeah, he's not quite like it's not quite the same, but because yeah. um, he's he's also like w- one of those characters where he's like trying to start a war. Yeah, um, but but not just between him and the oppressors, like between everybody. Between everybody he wants everyone yeah. at war. Yeah, because he total wants, chaos so that he, he can thinks, be in charge. Yeah, he thinks that he'll he'll come out on top if uh, if that's the case, and we'll see if that happens yeah. in season six. Yeah, but it's a great um, show. It's very bingeable once you get into yeah, it. Yeah, once you get into it, it's super, um, super, super good. Really um, strong performances. All yeah, around. the the characters, the actors are all great. Yeah. So, and I I think that um, more than other genres, sci-fi and fantasy are. They hugely benefit from having strong performers and strong performances. Oh, I Be- agree. Because it makes the fantastical that much more believable when you have yeah. a really grounded character and grounded performance. Absolutely. Um, and that does a lot of the heavy lifting to make this a real and believable world, which it very much is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, I think that we did good. I think that's it. I think that's all we got. We'll uh, we'll reconvene after the sixth and I believe final season mm-hmm. is released. Yeah, the final book is already out. And oh, uh, one last note: I think this is a case of they self-published these books on the internet. I think so. And you know, for like two dollars to download, and then they were able to sell it, and it's a major show with a huge cult following. So believe and, in your dreams. Yeah, believe in yourself. Yeah. Write that book. Write that book. Make that show. Yeah. All right. Do that thing. Cheers. Cheers. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.